This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to Raw Beauty Talks. I'm your host, Erin Trelore. Ready to peer behind the highlight reel and all those polished pictures of the world's biggest influencers and wellness experts, we're going to uncover what beauty, health, and wellness truly means in today's world. As someone who really struggled with disordered eating and negative body image, I became a health coach because I'm passionate about redefining health and wellness so that it's less about the weight on the scale and more about how we feel. Let's pull back the curtain for some raw beauty talks. We have a good conversation coming down the pipeline for you today before we dive into Hunter McGrady's incredible story. I wanted to just check in with everyone to see how all of you are doing. Just take a moment to close your eyes unless you're driving and take a deep breath with me, breathing in and out, just noticing where your breath is at today. I wanted to take five quick minutes to chat about something that I got a lot of questions about on social media, and we just sent out a newsletter yesterday about this, and a lot of people replied back with questions and comments, and it was around my year of no drinking. I have officially been sober since January 4th. It started out as being something that I was just going to do for one month. And I felt so good after that one month that I was like, oh, maybe I'll do it for a few more weeks. And here we are. It is November and I still haven't had something to drink. And I'm honestly feeling so flippin' good that I wanted to share with you a little bit about my experience and make sure that you're signed up for our newsletter. There's a link down below so that you get more of the details and more of the juice. I always share my health and wellness tips in there, along with a number of other things. So more details in that newsletter that goes out. But I feel like there were a couple of things that were really pivotal in me making this decision. The first was that I was reflecting, as I always do at the beginning of the year, on how I wanted to feel in the coming year and what was really most important to me. And my health and wellness was at the top of that list. Showing up as a mom was at the top of that list and as a wife and being able to serve this community and continue to build out my vision around raw. When I looked at alcohol, it wasn't allowing me to show up in any of those areas in the way that I wanted to. What's strange is I didn't have an alcohol problem. I was not addicted to alcohol. I didn't become like mean or crazy. I just noticed that it gave me way more anxiety the next day. And oftentimes I would kind of be thinking like, can I have a drink tonight? Like it's Wednesday. I made it to Wednesday. (laughs) Can I have a glass of wine tonight? And sometimes it would just be that one glass of wine, but I didn't like that feeling of thinking about it. So that's where the one month no alcohol started. And here we are today. From this point, I have so much clarity around the fact that this was something that was kind of poisoning my body. And I was drinking at the same time as taking an anti-anxiety medication, which basically everybody does who's on antidepressants or anti-anxiety medication. It says right on the bottle not to drink or to limit alcohol, but I feel like everyone just ignores that. And from where I'm sitting right now, I'm like, hmm. It's not the best thing to ignore because I feel so much better. (laughs) 
on all levels, mentally, physically, emotionally, when I'm not mixing those two. So the biggest question that I got from that newsletter that I put out was, how did you navigate going out and celebrating or heading into the holiday season when you weren't drinking? I feel like it would be so hard to do that. And it definitely was challenging in moments and felt a bit uncomfortable, but I also am just of the mindset right now that discomfort is a sign of growth. We've got to get uncomfortable in order to experience change. So I was just really leaning into it. But a few things that really helped me. One was I've continued to drink out of a wine glass every evening. I have my water or my non-alcoholic drink in a wine glass. It just feels special. It feels different. And especially if I'm with a group of people, I don't know, nobody even mentions the fact that I'm not drinking because they think that I have a drink or I don't know what the deal is, but it just stops that conversation piece of, oh, why aren't you drinking from even happening? So drinking out of a wine glass makes that beverage that you're having at the end of the day feel more celebratory. I've also really started to enjoy a number of non-alcoholic drinks. So first, I think I started with mostly just bubbly water and a lot of lime, but now I'll add in some lemonade. I've started drinking Heineken Zeros. I didn't even like beer before. My husband's so confused as to what's happening, but I really enjoy Heineken. It's light. It's 0.0%. This is not an advertisement, literally just telling you what I've done. Golden Hour drinks, you've heard me talk about those. They're collagen-infused drinks. I get them from Legends Hall. And then last week, somebody introduced me to a non-alcoholic liquor store called Sansorium. And so I just ordered a couple of things off of there to try. And they have these beautiful bottles of rosé that actually look like you're pouring a glass of rosé. So I haven't tried that yet, but I'll let you know what I think. So I don't know if you're somebody who's like, I feel like alcohol isn't serving me, but I'm not sure I'm ready to let it go. You don't have to quit cold turkey. You can just play around with maybe going out one night for dinner with friends and not ordering alcohol, not getting a drink and notice what comes up for you. Notice how you feel the next day or when you get home and just start checking in with yourself. It doesn't have to be super black and white. And also you could do what I did as well, which is try a month without it and see how you feel. Notice, you know, how that feels for you. I think it's so important whenever you're doing this kind of thing to really connect to the why. Why is it important to you? You've got to be clear on that. And if you're not, then anytime it feels challenging or hard or you're moving in that habitual patterning that we all exist in, you're going to find yourself exactly back where you were before. So get clear on the why, then set yourself up with systems and structures that are going to support you. That's alternative drinks, your wine glass, whatever it is, and report back. Let me know how it goes. I can't wait to hear. I'm so interested to hear um, for those of you who are thinking about doing this. One other thing that I would suggest is looking up on IG the hashtag sober curious. This is a hashtag for people who are kind of exploring this as well. Maybe they're not fully sober. And so you might find more information, stories, inspiration over there. Okay, I want to dive into the show because we have an incredible guest today. Hunter McGrady is joining us. She was the first plus-size woman to appear on the cover of a bridal magazine, the curviest model to appear in the elusive Sports Illustrated, and one of the first curve models to walk New York Fashion Week runways in 2017. I'm so excited to talk to her about how she broke down borders and boundaries of 
what type of body can be seen in media. She's absolutely crushing it. She launched her own clothing line, All Worthy, with QVC. And this line ranges from an extra, extra small to a 5X. So there is something for everybody in there. The name All Worthy comes from a hashtag that she founded in 2017. I'm all about the meaning behind this hashtag, which is to remind you that no matter your size, no matter your shape, no matter your background, you are worthy of feeling loved and beautiful and confident every single day. In this episode with Hunter, we're going to talk about her journey from being a size two model to a size 20 model. We're going to talk about that moment when she realized she'd made it in this world of modeling and fashion. This past year, Hunter lost her younger brother in an accident. And a month later, her first baby, a boy, was born. She talks to me about what it was like living in this season that encapsulated the ultimate grief right alongside the ultimate joy. So from Sports Illustrated to Sweet Mama, Hunter is here to get raw and real with us. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, Country anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B A B B E L dot com slash talks. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. Friends. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you a over. Hunter, I can't believe you've just hopped right off the pages of Sports Illustrated into a conversation with me. I'm so honored to have you here. What a dream. You are so kind. Thank you so much. It's amazing what 
you know, a little moisturizer, a little makeup can do because I have a a newborn, but thank you. (laughs) You do have a newborn and I have been dying seeing these little pictures and you have done such an incredible job of showing the most beautiful moments with this little sweetie in your life, but also so many of the real raw behind the scenes. I'm wearing a diaper. My boobs are leaking. My body has changed. Like the, the wild ride that is motherhood. And you've done such an incredible job of just showing up and sharing that with all of us. Thank you so much. You're so kind. It is. It's a a real roller coaster. You know, I'm a first time mom. I I am a stepmother. I have a a 10 year old stepdaughter, but a first time mom of, of, you know, my own. And it's been beautiful and exhausting and lots of ups and downs and, you know, really learning that they can coexist together. But yeah, I'm so madly in love with him. Oh, he's so precious. And I want to dive into all things motherhood. There are truly not enough hours in the day to get through all of the incredible pieces that I want to talk to you about everything (laughs) from your modeling career, gracing the pages of some of the biggest publications to motherhood being a stepmom. I know that there's some stepmoms out there who are like, let's talk about that as well. We haven't actually dove into that a lot on the show. I want to talk to you about that. I want to talk to you about some grief that you've gone through. I want to talk to you about navigating life as a woman in this world, in this day and age with so many amazing things going on. So let's dive in. Can you take us back to the beginning? How did you land? How did you end up in Sports Illustrated and on the cover of Bride Magazine? Yeah. So I started modeling when I was 16 years old. I come from a family that is in the entertainment world. My mom was a model, my grandmother, my aunt, my dad is an actor. So it was kind of like, okay, you're out of the womb and you're signing a contract, whether you like it or not. And, you know, I, I started when I was younger, but then really kind of got into it when I was about 14, 15, 16 years old. I was what we call in the industry a straight size model. So that's your typical model that you see. I'm six feet tall. I was about a size two just to give you kind of a visual. Right now, I'm a size 20. So it looks completely different, which we will get into in a a moment. You know, I I was always told to lose weight, to be different, to change. And finally, I said, you know what? I I don't think this is working for me anymore. You know, my mental health really took a dive and I took time off. And I said, you know what? I'm going to really focus on me and and go to therapy, get through this. It gave me a, a big bout of depression. And I took, you know, a few years off just to really focus on myself. And when I was about 19, I learned about plus size modeling. Can I just yeah. interrupt you for one second? Because yeah. I just want to push pause on this one piece where you were like, you know what? I'm kind of done with this, even though everyone in my family is in this world and industry, this is in my blood basically. And even though this feels depressing in a way, I'm going to check myself into therapy and sort some things out because I think a lot of people listening to this podcast are in the place where they've been trying to fit their body into some sort of mold. They're feeling the pressures of society. Can we just talk a little bit about that transition from this is your livelihood. This is your family. This is societal pressures. This is your industry. How did you know, first and foremost, that you needed to make a change? There was actually a breaking point for me. I showed up on a a photo shoot. I was for a t-shirt company and I walked in and everybody kind of was just staring at me. And I was like, what's going on? Finally, the producer came over and she said, you know, we're so sorry. We didn't realize how big you were. Um, (gasps) 
you know, we won't be able to use you today, unfortunately. They didn't even give me a chance to try on any of the shirts, nothing. I was with my mom. My mom was livid. I mean, she went off. She, I've never seen my mom like this. She was like, you're going to give us gas money for driving down here and you're going to pay for this and that and you're going to pay for our lunch. Um, Let's go mama bear. <laughs> yeah, such mama bear mode. But I just remember being so embarrassed. I was like, what? I was embarrassed for me, but I was also embarrassed for them because I was like, I'm literally 16. I haven't even gone through puberty completely yet. Like I'm still growing into my body, whatever that looks like. It looks different for all of us. I was just shocked. And I just remember sobbing and feeling so defeated and being like, mom, I don't want this anymore. If, if, you know, every agency I was going into, they kept telling me to lose weight, to lose weight, to lose weight. And every, you know, photo shoot, it was always a talk about my weight, specifically my hips. Um, I'm a really hippie girl. And it was always, well, they're just a little bit too wide. And, you know, it was always something. And I just finally said to my mom, mom, I, I can't do this anymore. I'm so sad. I'm so depressed over this. And she said, you know what? You don't have to let's stop. They never made it a thing. It was, you can be whatever you want to be. And so I stopped and, you know, like I mentioned, I dealt with some depression and anxiety surrounding it. And I went to therapy and really had to work on myself because I was told for so long, not just by people in front of me, like agents and and stuff, but by society that my body was wrong. Mm -hmm. And so I had to really strip myself of those thoughts. And I still go to therapy. I'm 28 now. I started therapy when I was 16 and I still go to therapy and still work on those things. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it, it was many years of figuring out who I was and realizing how powerful my mind was that I was able to make that transition into like, ding, oh, plus size modeling wait a second, I kind of grew into my body and now I'm a size like 12, 14 and I can still do what I love and huh, let's give this a go. And it worked, but not without me healing myself first. Mm. What does that healing process look like where you are, you went to therapy, Mm -hmm. did your body change from a size two to a 14, just naturally going through puberty? Did you ever struggle with your relationship with food at all? Or was that sort of really intuitive always? Yeah, no, I definitely struggled with food up until that point, I would make sure I was eating in a calorie deficit. I was working out hours a day. I was looking up really any diet that I could to lose weight, to fit into, because I wanted to be a model so bad. When I really stripped myself of all of that and took a look at myself, I was like, okay, how do we get to a place where I feel good about myself? And I feel like the healthiest version of myself, because believe it or not, you know, I think a lot of people, they equate health with weight. Mm -hmm. I was unhealthier (laughs) then than I am now by a long shot. And so, you know, really learning to figure out, you know, how to treat food where it was, you know, nourishing to your body and creating this really incredible relationship with my body and and my mind and, and figuring out who I was. And yeah, my body changed a lot. You know, once I started kind of accepting that, Hey, listen, not everyone falls into this 
certain size. And that's what most people don't. Well, that's what makes people people so beautiful. You know, we're all different. It's like some people fall in a thinner frame and a thinner body. And, and some people fall in a curvier body. Neither one makes you more or less of a woman and doesn't make you more or less of a person. And I realized that, Hey, listen, I fall in this curvier body and that's beautiful and that's great. And that's fine. So yeah, I was able to eat and change my relationship with food and work out because I wanted to for my mental health more than to lose weight. And I just really sat in about a size 14, 16. Of course, when I first started, I was about a size 12, 14, but yeah, it was a process though. It's so challenging when, I mean, I'm in complete agreement that whether your body is naturally more thin or naturally more curvy, that this diversity is what creates such a beautiful, interesting world. I'll never forget watching Victoria's Secret fashion shows when I was younger and literally watching them while doing sit-ups, thinking these are the most stunning girls ever. And you know, quickly spiraling into an eating disorder myself after that. And then getting to this point at the last Victoria's Secret fashion show, I'd been doing raw for several years, having conversations with so many different women, seeing so many different body types, sharing so many different pictures and watching that fashion show and being like, yeah, these girls are beautiful, but I'm so bored by all the same body type one after another, after another, this is just not representative of women and the beauty that we possess in all our forms and our shapes and sizes. And it's nothing against those specific girls. It's just, there's no diversity. And that's not what my eye finds beautiful anymore. I want like one of those and then a plethora of other things yeah, as well. You know, it's, it's what makes the world go round, right? Like it's someone once said to me, you know, flowers are beautiful, but so are Christmas lights. You know what I mean? Like you don't sit there and go, well, which one's like, they're completely different things, but they're so beautiful. And, you know, I think we have to remember that and you're right. You know, there, there is a huge lack of representation, especially in the modeling world, same with acting. And, you know, it's so important that we are seeing so many different types of women, of women of color, of body types, sizes, heights. I mean, I want to see all kinds of skin. You know, I want to see all of it. And I'm so happy that we're slowly, but surely going in that direction because listen, I have a son who I want to raise up to be the kind of man that sees all of that and, you know, knows that all of that is beautiful and can honor all of that, especially when it comes to women. I completely agree. I have a six-year-old son and I have a four-year-old daughter. And often in this conversation, it turns to how do you want to raise your daughter? And I think that's important, of course, but I also think it's so important to be including our little boys in this conversation. Yeah. In regards to allowing them to see beauty in so many different forms, but also because in the same way that we as women have sort of stereotypical ideals of what we're valued for, these little boys do as well. And that Mm -hmm. is a piece of the conversation. So you're size 12, 14, you're diving back, dipping your toe back into the modeling world. 
when do you start to feel like, wow, this is taking off for me? It was pretty much like off to the race. I went into a modeling agency and it was go time. Like I signed and they flew me to Miami to start working. And then I was just one thing after the other. And then once I booked Sports Illustrated in 2000 and gosh, 16, end of 2015, 2016 is when it came out. That was the catalyst to my career really taking off. Literally, the magazine came out and I was doing press for, I mean, I still talk about it, you know, Um, (laughs) here we are today, (laughs) you know, I I've been in the magazine, it's been God now five years and it's such a blessing each time, you know, but that was really the catalyst, but I will say it was off to the races, you know, at the very beginning. And that was kind of the affirmation I needed to be like, okay, yeah, so I can like be in my body and learning to love my body and still do what I love. You know, I don't have to compromise to make my dreams a reality. I think one thing that I'm, I'm noticing not only in this conversation, but in a lot of the podcast conversations I have with guests before there's this moment when everything comes together. And let's be honest, it's usually about 10,000 moments that lead to this breakthrough moment there's so often a breakdown and that breakdown results in a lot of inner reflection. And in doing that work, in taking that time to self-reflect and to go inward, somebody new blossoms and arrives on the scene. And that is the individual that seems to be able to change the world. And I don't say that lightly, like you being in Sports Illustrated in 2016, to me, that is a life-changing thing for so many girls because it allowed so many women and so many girls to see themselves in a space where they were being celebrated and seen and where they had the capacity to show up in their body to do whatever it was, whether it's modeling or being a scientist or whatever it is. It is incredibly powerful for us to see women in their bodies, not conforming to all these ideals out there living their lives. We don't realize it, right? Until we look back and we go, oh, I've really been controlled by so much of what society says, so much of what I'm seeing of ads, social media. And so to work with these companies, like Sports Illustrated was a huge one for me. I did the cover of The Knot as the first like plus size bride for them. I've worked with Olay for the past two years, which has been huge. When have you ever seen a plus size woman being an ambassador for a beauty brand is also you don't see it. Not only that, but then they, you know, introduced their no retouching policy. All these things make a difference. We don't realize it right now as we are seeing it. We're going, oh, wow, this is amazing. But as they add up and as they stack up slowly, but surely more people take note and they go, oh, I want in on that. I'm seeing how beneficial this is, how wonderful this is. Then we start to see the change. Then we start to, as a society go, okay, yeah, I appreciate this and I want more of this. It makes such a huge, huge difference. It does. And I really love seeing these brands that are starting to get behind the message. And obviously they're recognizing that this is what we as the people want and they're starting to make adjustments. And I think we're now seeing that those adjustments are actually causing 
resulting in gains on the bottom line versus what probably so many feared would be losses. But seeing companies like Airy and Athleta and Olay. I loved the post that you did a couple of weeks ago about the 20%. I was like, oh, what's going on here? You had 20% of your makeup done on your face. So just like the corner of her lip had lipstick on it. And it caught my eye. I was like, what is go- what is this about? Was it when you Google beautiful skin, only 20% of the images that a- appear or that show up in that search are women of color? Yep. Which is not representative of the 40% of women of color that exist in North America. Yeah, that was their whole campaign of Decode the Bias, which was sending women of color to coding camp. Mm -hmm. And how incredible that is. You know, again, you see these companies like Olay, who I have worked with, and I'm actually going to talk probably in a a little bit about this amazing deal that they're doing for for Cyber Monday because they always do incredible things. And um, tell us about it now. Olay is is doing an amazing Cyber Monday deal, which you guys do not want to miss out with. If you spend $150, which by the way, they just came out with their new vitamin C and peptide 24 collection, which is absolutely incredible. But all you guys have to do is spend $150 on Olay.com and you get a free limited edition Juicy Velour tracksuit, which I am wearing right now. I don't know about you, but I literally lived in a juicy tracksuit in Y2K. I'm so happy they're coming back because I'm living my Paris Hilton dreams. Everyone thought I was Paris Hilton when I was younger because I was always dressing like her. And now it is revived. Now you're back, baby. I also love that they, as a brand, aren't retouching anymore. And so I feel like so good sharing these things. Win, win, win. How good does it feel to see real skin? Can I just say like, you know, when I was younger... I also struggled really bad with acne, like to a point where I would pound on makeup every morning for school during lunchtime. I would pound on makeup because I never saw real skin. Like where is skin that looks like my skin? Where is the skin that like has redness in it? Where is that skin? And so to work with brand, you know, going back to what we were saying about brands who are making these changes that will depict what a greater future looks like mm-hmm. seeing these, this realness, these real skin and different colored skin and, and, and texture. And, oh, it's such a catalyst to hopefully a brighter, more diverse future. And again, I feel like it keeps coming back to allowing men, women, children, whatever it is to continue living their lives and feeling enough, even when their body or their skin isn't necessarily what society is telling us it needs to be in order to be loved or to be enough. When we start seeing brands saying, you can put on this beautiful moisturizer, or you can wear this outfit exactly as you are right now. And that's it. You're you're done. You don't have to change yourself. You don't have to cure yourself. Like, yeah, you've got a zit. We've all had a zit before. Carry on soldier. It's just like, Live yeah. your life. Yeah. You're, you're, you're meeting yourself right now, you know, as you are. And, you know, you, you meet yourself a hundred times in your life, right? You, you go through changes and you meet yourself. And, you know, whether we like it or not, we're scrolling all day long. We're seeing ads all day long. And they're getting into our mind and telling us something, whether we believe it or not. And so to make that conscious decision as a brand, and as a model and as, you know, someone in, in the beauty space and 
to make that conscious decision and say, okay, how about instead of telling people they need to be different and they need to change, we simply set across the message of you're perfect as you are. There's absolutely nothing wrong without you. We're going to meet you right here Mm -hmm. and celebrate that. You know, it's really beautiful to see. And I'm, I'm excited to be a part of it. And you're a part of it, having these real conversations of stripping people of what we've been told, right? We, we kind of get told throughout our lives, you know, all these different things and stripping them down and saying, okay, so what's the real deal? Mm-hmm. You know, let's have a real conversation. Mm-hmm. Ready to get real. I want to talk about this crazy roller coaster of a year that you've had. Yes. Because it's been what sounds like the highest of highs and some of the lowest of lows. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I've experienced what it feels like to have the worst year of your life and the best year of your life. My brother passed in May and I had my baby in June. Mm. I came to terms very quickly that you can only experience great, great, great grief where there was great, great love. You can only experience great joy where there was great sadness and life is those two things. And it is black and it is white. It is sunny and it is dark and it is all of these things mixed together. And it was kind of an emotional, you know, especially towards the end of my pregnancy, I I had COVID and then I was diagnosed with preeclampsia and then my brother passed away. And then finally, you know, my joy, my Hudson was born and and that was such a beautiful moment. But then shortly after that, postpartum, you know, I, I struggled with breastfeeding and with grief and breastfeeding, people don't realize your supply dries up. So I wasn't able to do it as long as I, you know, had hoped for. And I'm still overcoming a lot of those. Talk about therapy. I'm in so much freaking therapy and counsel, grief counseling and all of it right now. And, you know, I never thought I would be back here really doing such a deep dive, but my whole value system changed so quick. I'm so sorry that you had to go through such a tremendous loss at a time when we have such high expectations of what it's all supposed to be like. Yeah. And yet I also, I mean, I just see you working through it and whatever that means. I mean, do you ever work through grief? Like what is your experience now? How far, what your baby was born in May? How old is he? I can't do math. So um, Hudson was born in June. He's He's four months. Yes. Okay. You're just through the fourth trimester. Like you really have a newborn. Uh, Yeah. The fact that you're dressed in your juicy couture tracksuit is, you know, what? really impressive. I'm really thriving. Yeah. I'm thriving in May. Yeah. You know, how do you get through grief? We So I never thought that I would have to experience it at this time in my life. And it's such an interesting juxtaposition to have to feel such deep sadness and then look at your baby and feel such deep happiness. It is so bizarre. And there's moments that feel like I'm not going to make it. I can't breathe. I can't catch my breath. And then there's moments of pure peace and happiness. And I think that such is life. Like I've really learned that the last few months is like, well, everyone experiences grief at some point in their life. I experienced it a little bit earlier than all my friends. And how do we manage? For me, a lot of therapy, my faith 
has been huge. My support system, my family, and my baby who has been such a healer and such a blessing. Little does he know, like he lights up the room. He is the happiest, smiliest kid ever. Not saying we didn't have our moments where he, you know, had his we had our moments. He's a baby. <laughs> He's a baby. It would be strange if you didn't have those yes. moments where you're like, what is going on? Yes. Where I'm literally just sitting there going, am I fit to be a mom? Like what's going on? You know, but then those moments of just looking at him smiling and living life through his eyes, I'm, you know, reminded like, okay, we're going to get through this. We got this, we got it. And we're going to come out on top from this. My kids are six and four and I still have those moments where I'm like, am I fit to be a mom? Like, where is the instruction manual? What am I doing? My son, actually, I said to him this weekend, I'm like, Jay, why are you so annoyed with me this weekend? And he said, he looked at me dead in the eyes and he said, I just wish you could be more like dad. Oh Oh my God. (laughs) calling my mom when he was like three or four and being like, mom, like he only wants me. He's obsessed. And she was like, don't worry. He's going to switch to only wanting dad when he's about five or six years old. Yeah, so just enjoy this through. time right now. Don't worry. <laughs> and that was the moment when I was like, okay, yeah. I see you buddy. And yeah. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Anyways, <laughs> broke my heart in two, but I'm back. I've rebounded. You're back. You know what? It's, I, I always say this. It's like, we all don't know what we're doing, right? Like no, us as no moms, one. we don't know what we're doing, right? Okay. No. Like I'm just, I do a pulse check. I do a check-in and I'm like, and I, I even asked my mom, she said, you're 28, your sister is 34. I still don't know what I'm doing, but y'all turned out great. <laughs> like, you know, you kind of just every uh, season of life. You're like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to, that's why we need up. each other. That's why we yes. need our community and women like you and people who are, talking about what, what it's like. And we're all actually doing really well. That's we are. Is like, nobody's doing it some... perfectly and there is yeah. no perfect. And we got to let that shit go and then carry on just doing, yeah. doing the best, which is pretty darn good for most yeah. people. I would say. Yeah. In this moment of the highs and highs and the lows and lows, what is your anchor? Do you have any daily rituals or self-care things that you're dead set on doing that help you stay sane? Are you more like, let's see where the wind takes us? You know, it's funny because the one piece of advice that I got from all my, you know, mom, girlfriends was do something for yourself every day add in, you know, an extra step in the morning, your skincare routine, your mantra routine, your daily walk, whatever it is, do something for yourself. For me, it's different every day. It could be, you know, having, you know, five minutes in my little clothis area where I have a mantra and I, you know, say, you know, it's going to be okay. You are enough. You're doing great. My whole list going through and now it's kind of changed into me being a mom. Or if it's, you know, my skincare routine, if I'm adding in like, okay, I'm going to like take a moment and just nourish my skin and nourish me and look at me in the mirror and just appreciate me. Or if it's prayer, honestly, it really kind of depends, but just doing something for yourself every day, I think is so important because we can get so caught up being mom that we forget to be who we are and were. 
And I've had to really hone that in and learn that. I'm still learning. I'm learning every every day. I'm basically failing and then trying again and then achieving and then failing. And I think that we all are, right? On the roller coaster of life. Absolutely. I mean, it's so refreshing to hear that you're not waking up at 4 a.m. and doing a two-hour workout and having a green juice and meditating for an hour and then doing a cold plunge and then I having to work. <laughs> I have not worked out in 13 months, girlfriend. I am like, yeah, we got that Peloton up there, huh? Like, yeah, I guess I should just collecting dust yeah. over in the corner. <laughs> You know, when you're ready though, I didn't work out either at all during pregnancy and I'm a health and wellness coach. And then afterwards, and I'm still only now I went through a big bout of postpartum as well and tons of anxiety and lost a lot of weight. And only now am I feeling like I've got the energy and the capacity to start doing some training and it feels so good for me right now. Like the capacity, yeah, Mm -hmm. the the capacity, but we, but different seasons, like we're not robots who are meant to work out in the same way. Every season of our life, it is going to ebb and flow and change. Yeah, absolutely. I'm currently at the capacity of, okay, if I can simply get out of bed and do three things, I'm it's a successful day. You're one thing. thing. You're taking care of a baby and yeah, you're, you're crushing it over there. Thank you. If you were able to send an email to every woman of the world and it was going to land in her inbox, the final email that you were ever able to say, what would you write in that email? What would be your message? I love that question. That's so good. It's such a loaded question. My email would probably be so long. (laughs) I would probably say, you know, I hope that you know how worthy you are and how wonderful you are and that you will go through so many different seasons of your life, but you're exactly where you need to be. Don't be so hard on yourself. And Don't put so much on your outward appearance and just, you know, letting women know that they're wonderful as they are. They're so worthy and so accepted in in every moment of their life. And God, I could go on and on, but it would be soaking it all in. I've like closed my eyes. I'm doing a little meditation. I love this. It would be a long email, you know. As women, we we do put so much on so many things that are so not important. Like the way we look is so not important. And I've said this before in, in other interviews, especially with my brother's passing. I'm like, oh, life is so fragile. The way my hair falls or if I've gained five pounds is the absolute least important thing about me. And life is meant to be lived. And he taught me that. And so that's what I would offer to anybody else. Full body goosebumps. I think that is ultimately the greatest gift that any loss gives us is the reminder to live while we are here. So whoever's listening right now, maybe just rewind that whole piece back and (laughs) listen to it again. And then I want you to ask yourself, what does living look like for you right now? If you could just, you know, toss aside all the shit that's not important and just start living, what would you be doing? Can you break it down? What's the first step? What's one thing that you can do in order to allow yourself to live a little bit more brighter? Like yeah. Miss Hunter McGrady's tracksuit over there. <laughs> I, I'm literally, I have to say, I was just looking at my camera and I was like, I'm glowing over you here. You are glowing. 
I, the with this plus the vitamin C moisturizer that I've been using, like I am glowing and I am bright. It is I working for you. Yeah, <laughs> my <are>. God. <laughs> so don't forget on Cyber Monday, 150 bucks in Olay products, and you get the jumpsuit too. But do the face cream, do the jumpsuit, and also do the living for me, please. And trust that you are enough and that you are worthy of it. Take a screenshot of this conversation, share it on social media, tag Hunter and I. We'll make sure that the handles are down in the show notes below. And let us know what your favorite part of this conversation was. Hunter, where can everybody find you if they'd like to know more about you or follow along? Yeah. You guys can follow me at Hunter McGrady. And then I also have a podcast called the model citizen podcast. Yeah. I um, love your podcast. Well. Yeah. Thank you. So I love yours. I'm thank you so much for having me on here and keeping conversations real and raw. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. Please take a moment to rate review or follow on your favorite podcast app and share this episode with someone that you think could benefit. Join the Raw Beauty Talks community at Raw Beauty Talks. And remember, it's your story, your body, your mind, and your journey. So think about what resonates with you and leave the rest behind. I'll see you next week. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.